1: It's MPB season pass with Jay White. I'm Sam Wells. Jay, you've graciously sh- uh, shifted seats uh, so I look impressive in front of my old <laughs> swimming coach in here. And then I also forget that I sit in here after Sherita, so I'm deaf uh, after uh, hearing the music to it's turned up to the top.
2: Well, you know she's in a, she's a former drummer, yeah. so uh, you know they have problems hearing after a little while.
1: Oh yeah. I I forget. I forget about that. we got a great show for you today. Uh, Brian Ware, who is in studio with us, who's uh, the head swim coach at Mako's. He was the swim coach uh, for me at Clinton High School a long time ago, and now he coaches. uh, I'm making you feel (laughs) feel old, man. Uh, And now he coaches at Madison Central. Uh, His brother has still uh, remained at Clinton High School, Eddie. And then uh, we'll talk about the MHSAA, the immense growth in high school swimming around the state of Mississippi, and... We'll talk about Blaze Vera, a really impressive swimmer from Clinton, who made it to the Olympic trials, and who might be headed to Tokyo. And uh, we were talking off air, uh, uh, Brian, that he, if he doesn't make it to Tokyo, it'll be by just, uh, it'll be maybe because he didn't shave the morning of the of the meet. Uh, so it'll be pretty close. <laughs> and then we have an interesting conversation with uh, with Don Kessinger. The Cubs are flying right now, eighty-one and forty-five. He, uh, along with many other uh, former players, very excited about. The possibility of the Cubs winning a World Series for the first time since 1908, uh, and of course, he's a two-sport All-American at Ole Miss. Only two Jay from Ole Miss's, uh, uh, I guess, long history of playing sports have le- have uh, been All-American in two sports. He and Jake Gibbs. How about that, Jake Gibbs? Of course, a quarterback. All uh, right, uh, yeah, quarterback for the uh, for the Rebels, and he played for the New York Giants and the New York Yankees. And uh, old Donny just played basketball and then played for the Cubs for. <laughs> I've heard there
2: have been a bunch of uh, multi-sport all SEC guys, including yeah. Archie Manning, right? Who's yeah. an all SEC shortstop, yeah, wasn't he? He was
1: drafted by the Yankees too, I think.
2: Yeah. So Boy, what a what a tough what a tough ride he had after high school. Yeah, right. no,
1: those kids are very athletic. those guys are very athletic. <laughs> uh, with the uh, with the Manning, uh, well,
2: I tell you, this year if the Cubs don't do it this year. Uh, as in the the last handful of times that they've made the playoffs, where they were one of the best teams, but maybe not the very best team. There ain't no doubt about who's the best team in baseball this year. If they yeah. don't do it this year. Is a mistake?
1: Uh, yeah, I, not to put
2: any more pressure on your your team, Sam.
1: Well, that's okay. They're, they're big. Uh, they're big boys. They make some. They make good money. So if they can uh, they can't shake it off then. And figured out they' better do it this year though because it's a, they've gotten a good opportunity to do it and uh they've got a big lead in the central division. We'll talk to Don about that and about some fun stuff. He was the last player manager, Jay we talked I about did that. not-
2: recog- i didn't realize that until you mentioned that to me today
1: yeah the so last
2: we, player manager of the american league right
1: we, we get into that a little bit about uh you know deciding you know if he plays or not, which has to be the toughest part of of playing <laughs> in the uh a, it's got
2: to be a law of diminishing returns, there, right? I mean, Once you realize your value has kind of passed, you're yeah. like,
1: oh, I'm going to give myself another day off. Uh, oh darn! I know you make a couple <laughs> of errors. You're like, I'm coming out. <laughs> So uh, he has some interesting stuff though. More rest uh, for me. Woo. We'll save it for the uh, for the actual uh, actual thing. But uh, it, it's uh, it's a good talk with him and a, a legend uh, in the state of Mississippi and uh, somebody I don't think has talked about nearly as much as maybe he should be with all the uh, the six time All Star, two time Gold Glove winning uh, shortstop for the Cubs, Don Cassidy. Certainly
2: in baseball circles, he's kind of a he's he for whatever reason he's kind of an under under the radar guy when it comes to. Legendary figures in the state of Mississippi.
1: Yeah, he's just a, kind of a he's kind of an all shucks kind of guy. He's just real yeah. nice. He doesn't really, you know. I told him on the phone. I, I don't. I don't think he get enough credit. And he's like, No, I'm okay. Okay,
2: <laughs> right. Great baseball family. Yeah. You know. Um. And but you mentioned that he goes into some detail about uh, the 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 great disco.
1: Yeah, disco uh, demolition Riot, night.
2: Yeah, at uh, the old Comiskey Park in Chicago. He was the player manager then. Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, I'm eagerly awaiting when that uh, comes up in the story today.
1: Yeah, it's good. To, uh, it's it's some good stuff. But let's bring in all. Uh, let's bring in Brian Ware here. Brian, uh, I told I told Josh, I kind of wanted to wear a suit uh, to, up here with my old coach coming into the studio. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'd comb my hair and we're 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 uh, we're doing good. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for coming in today
0: oh i appreciate you having me
1: in so let's let's dive right into this uh you were the first coach ever for uh clinton high school swim team in uh in 1998 when uh they got a ragtag bunch of folks to start a swim to to swim and enter into the mhsaa's uh i guess tournament of team of uh, teams and schools since then and i know there were other schools and other teams that had that were formed before that one but since then How big has this sport gotten in high school circles around Mississippi?
0: Oh, it's increased um, a lot since you were swimming. Um, There's a lot of uh, teams in the state that have it that you wouldn't expect to have swim teams. Um, Of course, a lot of them come from year-round clubs, and um, a lot of them have to hunt. The biggest problem with high school swimming is finding a pool to swim in. um, You know, you have to have a 25-yard pool and be able to practice, but... Um, I mean, to go to the state meet now, the way MHSA has it um, set up, it's more of like a championship, more of like a college uh, atmosphere uh, championship meet. So it it is pretty amazing um, uh, how much it's grown. And of course, it's gotten faster. Um, Times have gotten faster each year. and. Um, even when I swam way back in the day, um, you know, I, I graduated from Clinton High School and there wasn't a high school team there. When when I swam, I just got to swim um, club swimming. So that was one of my goals was to have a team there because I didn't get to do that. And um, um, I believe swimming makes well-rounded individuals. Just sitting here looking at you, I can tell it does. <laughs>
1: I don't know about that.
0: but Yes, it does. And it's pretty amazing um, to see... The life lessons learned through swimming and um how, how people continue to uh, use it later on in their life i mean not it's not all about swimming up and down the pool so but i mean high school swimming has has really taken off and it's gotten so big that they've even had to divide it up into two classes where you have the uh, five and six a schools swim wow. against each other and then the one to four a schools swim against each other so uh, that's that's uh, crazy and it's got to be easy to well not easy but uh, a big selling
1: point of being on the swim team has to be uh health reasons i mean you don't but you don't blow your knee out swimming uh swimming
0: that's you know, true 200 that's, butterfly yeah it's a lot a uh, lot less injuries um and um you know it, it's one of the few sports where the uh, guys and girls compete at the same time so um, having a lot of girls around as a <laughs> high school uh young man is is not a bad situation at all i wanted to play baseball so bad jay my mom and dad or my dad was like yeah there's no girls out here at the uh at,
1: at baseball practice you got girls at the swimming pool and i'm like "Well, oh, i guess you're right i guess you're right Point well at, taken dad so yeah <laughs> and dad was like i don't really want to go out there and she takes balls around that uh, you can't catch so it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be that big of a, a deal anyway but uh we'll talk about the club swimming brian you, uh, i know mako's has always been big deal here in jackson but you were telling
0: me there's a there's 13 clubs throughout the state there are i think last time i checked there's 13 um and they're all over the state i mean you've got them all the way up to tupelo and all the way down to biloxi vicksburg all the way over to meridian so i mean they're all over Um it's, uh, with the Olympics going on right now, it's a great chance to, for a lot of folks to see how great swimming is and um, how great the United States is at swimming. And, and um, It's a great chance to get in and, and really learn that lifelong skill. I mean, swimming is uh, one of the few sports that you can get in and do on your own as you get older and, and, and help you stay in shape. All
1: right, yeah, and uh, like... So with the with the with the MHSAA's growth, have you seen more? Uh, I guess uh, with the with the Olympics. Let me back up. With the Olympics being going on right now, or have just finished? I guess uh, it's kind of like uh, January at the gym. Yes, everybody's everybody everybody's in to the swimming. They right. see Michael Phelps do this stuff, they see Katie Ledecky do this stuff and they're like, oh man, backstroke, Pfft, yeah. easy. I can d- get in here and do this. So when you get people coming in there, do they get like a kind of a shock that like, hey, this is really hard and these strokes are typically yes. very difficult.
0: Well, when I normally get a phone call, all of them call me and say, you know, I have a kid and they are a great swimmer. They're all great when they come in, in the parents' eyes. So that's really <laughs> interesting. So we do have to do a little bit of evaluation process when they come in. but. I mean, we swim at the Lakeland Courthouse um, off of Lakeland Drive, and, you know, we have 20 lanes in there that we can practice in, and you have members come in, and it's it's young and old. I mean, since the Olympics has gone, it, it has been a, a pool that's just completely filled, and we're swimming like 12 people to a lane and oh, things gosh. like that. So it's, it's definitely... Uh, let me ask you, I think in,
2: for other sports, people are, are used to maybe, you know, practicing at your own school or something like that. But you mentioned, uh, you know, Clinton is on the the western side of Jackson. It's a western suburb. That Lakeland courthouse is all the way on the east side of Jackson. So, you know, you would think that. know uh maybe pearl or brandon or northwest rankin or or some other schools are they're closer to that pool do you have to share time with them or or how does that work
0: yes uh definitely uh clinton actually swims at the clinton ymca and it's an outdoor pool until it gets uh cold and they'd swim at the baptist Healthplex there in clinton cold is a relative term yeah (laughs) but we do have i mean san andrews uses our pool pearl uses our pool um saint joe uh, there's quite a few teams out there that uh, that use our pool. So,
2: who who are some of the teams in the MHSAA that that folks would know that are that are battling for the
0: championships? Okay, uh, seemingly year after year. Sure. Um, last year, girls, you know, that's one. The, the girls team, uh, Madison Central, won it last year. Northwest Rankin was second. Uh, Startfuls up there. Tupelo's always up there, and Oxford. Okay. Um and it's pretty much the same on the boys side, although last year on the boys side it was Tupelo and then Clinton was second. And then um yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I, was I was more happy from for my competitors, which my twin brother coaches there, so it it it's great. I'm telling you what, there's nothing more fun than getting a coach against your brother. Um
1: Jay, it's kind of like if uh, and folks listening uh, know follow the MHSAA and follow high school football. Clinton Madison Central, a big rivalry, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, so you get it would be like if you, me and like my sister coached Ole Miss and Mississippi State or something like that yeah. football or something like that, which
0: is what Brian and Eddie <laughs> get to battle out uh, during the swim. Uh, but I have his kids come up to me all the time, start asking me for advice. And I'm like, okay, do I tell them the right thing or do I? <laughs> what you want to do is touch <laughs> the bottom. Yeah, that's what you want. You want to stand okay, go up.
2: all the way down to the yeah. <laughs>
1: You just want to stand up in the pool is what you want to do. Well, uh, talk about how, uh, just uh, real quick, we're, we're running a little uh, short on time here, but uh, when folks join the team, obviously some of these teams, 7th grade through the 12th grade, so you've got to teach them a bunch of stuff that they don't normally do in a recreational pool. Uh, starting with uh, one thing that was really difficult uh, for me is that when you swim with the YMCA, you just dive off the side. Right. And so they, they jack you up on these blocks and make you right. dive in off of that, and then you've got to mm-hmm. learn how to dive into a shallow pool. So mm-hmm. talk about teaching them how to do all that stuff
0: um it's a progression i mean you you start them sitting on the side and then you get them kneeling on the side and then you have them going off the side and then you just uh hope you got to make sure you have it perfect before you get up on the block i know some people don't and um (laughs) especially like uh, you go to vicksburg pool it's a little shallow there so um you uh make you got to make sure you have it down pat before you get up on that block um and the fastest time that you're ever moving in a race is off the start is when you hit that water and you're kicking underwater so um that's the most important part of the whole race, to be honest with you. So um, go, coming off the start and coming off the turn, you, you're, you're not moving any faster, as you saw uh, either Phelps or Lockdeer or any of those guys kicking off the wall, coming off. They could outkick people as they were on top of the water swimming. Yeah. And then, of course, turns are big. Uh, for different strokes, you have different turns, and you, you got to teach them how to do all that stuff too, it, I guess. Yes. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, back when you started, we had. I don't think we had maybe – Six boys, six girls, something like that on there. And now I know that Clinton High School, I think they have like 30, 35 in the water at a time. So there's competition for relays and stuff now. Exactly, exactly. With these
1: teams. We'll talk about Blaze Vera, uh, Coach. He uh, is a very impressive swimmer from Clinton uh, who was invited to the Olympic trials uh, this year and uh, doing the 50 free um what is his schedule looking like going forward and do you think that we will have a mississippian in
0: the pool and not just on the track in 2020 in tokyo well i certainly hope so um he 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 came to my brother about three years ago he uh, had no swimming experience at all he did not know how to dive into the pool he did not know Uh he swam across the pool with his head out of the water um (laughs) but my brother in his wisdom was able to see that he had some talent and really worked with him um and you know, he's improved so much. He's only been swimming three years Jeez. and um, just turned 17. Um, he has had to work on getting his endurance up. I mean, you think of a 50 as a sprint and he is a natural sprinter, but he still had to get his endurance up so you can hold on you know, in a 50 meter free. He doesn't breathe the whole way across. And um, that takes a lot more endurance and power and strength than most people think. But um, I mean, he still has room to grow and mature and right now he is uh narrowing down his five college choices you get five official visits uh right now he's looking at uh three different SEC schools one of the top sprint programs in the country and then also uh another one that's close by I don't want to tell who he's looking at because uh <laughs> just in case just in case yeah exactly but I can tell you they're the they're the top programs in in the sport of swimming right now and uh he's he's all so excited cuz he gets to go to those uh recruiting visits and uh um that should be a lot of fun for him. We've had a coach uh I'll tell this one that we've had a coach from University of Pittsburgh come down and do a club visit here. Uh I think and maybe in a few weeks we may actually have University of Alabama come over and uh do a, a club visit where they actually come in and see him work out in the pool and that's a lot of fun because you have other kids in the pool and um they see uh, some of the other talent in the pool. And, oh, that uh, sounds like a satellite camp. Don't and, let, yeah, don't let right. save now. <laughs> well yeah well maybe we'll have maybe we can get saving to come over and look at him too
1: right i wouldn't be surprised he's recruiting everybody else around here and let me ask you this before we close it uh close it out i know delta state we had his their coach on a couple of uh, a couple of months back what a great swimming program they have up there Uh, but when you're watching the olympics uh you know you see auburn uh, texas uh georgia you think it uh do you think it would be obviously it would be great if Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Southern Miss one of the Division One programs could get a swim
0: team really uh, fired up and going in the state? Do you think that'll ever happen? I, I hope and pray it does. I really do. I mean, um, way back uh, when the, the, the excuse was always we didn't ha- we don't have the uh, athletic budget. Well, I think yeah. they have that budget now. Yeah. I think they have plenty of money to do that. Yeah. There's some great swimmers that come out of Slightly. the state that yeah. that go to other places. Um, I mean, there's. Two brothers from Hattiesburg. That one went to Auburn, one went to uh, Georgia, and now he, he, the one to Auburn, is transferring to Texas. So, I mean, there's plenty of talent that comes through here. We just need to have a, a, a Division One university. I mean, Delta State is a great program. They are top ten Division Two in the country all the time.
1: Yeah, they have great, great facilities
0: and great facilities. So, uh, man, I would love to see old Miss and State and or Southern. Uh, any of them. Southern used to have a team a long time ago. So, wow. uh, it would be great to have them have one.
1: All right, Brian, if people want to sign up for uh, Mako's team, how do they do that?
0: Um, They can go on our website msmakos.org or they can um, email me beware at mscourthouse.com and um, we can get them in the water, get them evaluated, and maybe they'll be the next Olympian. All right. Coach Brian Ware, Mako's
1: and Madison Central Jaguar head swim coach. That kills me to say (laughs) that. We'll be back. Don Kessinger, former Cub at Ole Miss Rebel, next on MPB Season Pass.
2: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
1: This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's MPB Season Pass with Jay White. I'm Sam Wells. Thanks for listening to us this Thursday morning. I'm proud to be joined by a Mississippi legend, a legend in Chicago, a legend in Oxford, and a legend in Arkansas. Don Kessinger joins us this morning. Coach, thanks for taking the time out for us today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure, Sam. Thank you for having me.
1: I was telling you before we started this, you are a lot of things to different generations. Uh, the generation before me, you were a slick-fielding shortstop for the Cubs, a six-time All-Star, a two-time Gold Glove winner to me. You were Ole Miss's baseball coach from 1991 to 1996. So, uh, and then now, I guess you're a real estate uh, tycoon in the Oxford area, and the grandfather <laughs> of a new Ole Miss baseball player who'll be starting his career this fall.
3: No, that is correct. Yeah, I don't know about the real estate tycoon part, but <laughs> but uh, the other part was correct. And yes, we're excited about my grandson, Gray Kessinger being a freshman baseball player at Ole Miss and looking forward to the next few years.
1: We'll go all the way back to the beginning of your career. You came from Arkansas to Ole Miss. Uh, what made you want to cross the Mississippi river and come over here?
3: I was blessed uh, in high school to uh, have a chance to go several places out of high school. And, uh, but I, I kind of narrowed it down to probably four schools that were near my hometown in Forest City, Arkansas, or at least reasonably close. And, uh, University of Arkansas. You can't grow up in Arkansas without at least saying you were interested in University of Arkansas (laughs) and uh, then uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and and probably uh, it was Memphis State at the time and I came to play both basketball and baseball. Memphis State was probably the best basketball school at that time. but when I visited around I was just fell in love with Ole Miss when I came here. People were so friendly and, and uh I just felt right at home and so and and be honest, the University of Arkansas at that time didn't really emphasize baseball at all. They didn't even play in the Southwest Conference in baseball. And so that kinda ruled that out because I thought that's what eventually I wanted to do and I just in the long run felt like Ole Miss was the best baseball school in the South, and and uh, I felt very at home here, so here I've been.
1: And you were an All-American in both baseball and basketball, one of only two Ole Miss Rebels to be. An all-American in two sports, Jake Gibbs, of course, in football and baseball, was the other. What what sparked your your interest in basketball? Of course, uh, Old Miss not really known for their basketball, and uh, I believe uh, when you played, uh, the Tad Smith Coliseum had not even opened up yet. So uh, you were playing kind of in, uh, in the old. Uh, I think it's the Turner Center now, but it was uh, like a barn arena or something like that back then. <laughs>
3: yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, you're right. It was actually it's the Martindale Student Center now. Uh, okay. Across from Turner. and uh, But, no, it was just an old building that uh, you had to go upstairs to get to the court. And, but uh, I don't know. I just had a great time here and loved it. And I thought eventually, given the opportunity, I wanted to try to play pro baseball. And so uh, this gave me the opportunity to play both here. And, and I thought at that time with Coach Swayze being the coach here, gave me the best opportunity in that sport.
1: You were a free agent signing for the Chicago Cubs in 1964. That had to be, looking back on it, one of the more successful free agent signings in Chicago Cubs history. That's a long-storied history of a baseball team uh, that's been playing since 1900.
3: The National League All-Star shortstop, Don Kessinger leading off. Fly ball back to right center field. That's very deep back there. Back, back. kessinger over the right center field wall man alive he got it up in that wind and out she went well you know i'm showing my age when we talk about this because when i got out of school here in 1964 the baseball draft hadn't even started so you kind of could sign with anybody you wanted to at that point or anyone that wanted you but i had several schools that i mean several uh, pro programs that we met with, and, and just between Coach Swayze, my dad, and me just thought the Cubs gave me the best opportunity to get to the big leagues the quickest, and so it worked out good for me.
1: Uh, I believe it was 1968, the entire infield was uh, selected to go to the All-Star Game, and you were the starting shortstop, kind of reminiscent now, Coach, of the Cubs. Of course, they had the entire infield starting in the All-Star Game this year, and of course, back then it was uh, Ron Santo, yourself, uh, Ernie Banks, and of course, uh, the guy that you play alongside and had many double play combinations with, uh, your second baseman, oh, I'm blanking on his Glenn name right Becker. now. Glenn, Glenn Becker. Yes, sir. Glenn Becker, uh, So, yeah. t- t- uh, just talk about playing with such a high caliber of, uh, of players like that.
3: Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I came along at a good time and, yeah, you had Ron Santo at third and Glenn Becker at second and Ernie Banks, of course, the legend at first base and, and, uh, we did all, and that's one of my real highlights. Is we did in in an all-star game. And I don't remember if it's '68 or '69, but all were on the all-star team, and actually all played together at one time in that game. Now, last year the Cubs started uh, infield started the game. We we didn't do that, but we all played together, and it was that really was a thrill to know you're representing the league, and you look around, and you got your whole infield with you, and. So that was a great time for us. Donnie, uh, making those double plays, you're certainly doing a tremendous job. Uh, You and Glenn, uh, what has been the big difference this year? Well, Ernie, I'll tell you one thing is our pitching staff. Uh, They make it a lot easier. You know, you used to play short, and it's a lot easier on an infielder when they tell you they're going to do a certain thing to a hitter, and then they go out there and they do it. Uh, So far, we've been in the right spot. I just hope that can continue
1: such a, an, a difficult thing to do playing shortstop in the major leagues and of course say with with beckert there you had such a great partnership how much work goes into developing a relationship like that coach kessinger to be able to uh, basically know what each other is thinking to turn double plays and it looks seemingly effortless
3: well believe me it isn't <laughs> but, uh, time, time and and experience you know you just you play together so many games and uh and I will say that when Beck and I were both rookie shortstops at the same time up there, really in the 65 season was kind of both of our uh, rookie years. And But we had a, a coach named Alvin Dark who had been a fabulous baseball player, a shortstop, and then been a great coach in, in uh, professional ball. And And so he was one of our coaches, and Alvin used to, take Beck and me out early most every day we were at home and uh, even starting in spring training anyway took us out to uh, before everybody else got on the field and we could really work on double play situations and and he, he used to make sure that we knew where the other guy wanted to throw wanted the ball to be on a double play in any given situation meaning If I went to my right, I knew where Beck wanted the ball. If it was hit slow, I knew where he wanted it, and and it was the reverse for him. So we we did spend early hours every day that we were at home, and eventually it was just a natural thing for us to do with each other, knowing exactly where the other guy wanted the ball.
1: You also had another couple of superstars on the team that uh, would become uh, Cubs legends like yourself, Ron Santa, of course, who passed away a couple of years ago. And then, uh, and of course, Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub, who also passed away. What was it like playing with two guys like that who were so fiery and, uh, and boy, just uh, both of them just seemingly brought light to any room they went into throughout the rest of the the remainder of their career and the rest of their lives as well?
3: Well, they were great guys, first of all. They were genuinely great teammates and friends and, uh, Ernie was probably the, the greatest goodwill ambassador for baseball that I've ever been around. He loved the game. Every day he came to the park, he just loved to come in that locker room and say, great day for baseball today. Today's the Cubs' day, guys. Let's go. Hey, hey, holy mackerel, no doubt about it the Cubs are on their way! Hey! 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 Come on out! Ronnie was an Italian guy that was just a little bit fiery and, and uh, he was the captain of uh, of our team most of those years and he loved that role and uh, I, I was so blessed, if you think about it, Sam, I played for a number of years with four guys that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame today and Ernie and Ronnie and, and Billy Williams and left field, and and Ferguson Jenkins on the mound. So, you know, if, if you play with those kind of guys, you just hold up your end of the bargain a little bit, and it's a lot of fun.
1: I hate to go back and ask you about the 69 season, but uh, what maybe an opportunity missed, and then may, uh, I guess the Miracle Mets just caught fire, and uh, and uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, something you always said in post-game interviews with uh, David Kellum for Ole Miss, uh, that's baseball, I guess.
3: Yeah, it is, and it was. Um uh, but but you know as as we look back we we had, it was the best of times and the worst of times for us. We were so excited that we thought we we had a chance to be that team that could bring that World Series championship to chicago's fans our great fans, and we genuinely you know we thought this is our opportunity to do that, and it was, but um, I, I can tell you this there's a lot of talk about the you know, the curse of the billy goat and all these jinxes that keep the Cubs from winning. But I I can assure you, as we were playing out that 1969 season, there was no conversation about a goat, you know. And uh, we just, as it turned out, we didn't play as well as we could have down the last month of the season, and the Mets were unbelievably hot they won something like don't hold me to these numbers, but something like thirty eight of their last forty five games or something, so I got to give them credit. I mean we didn't play as well, but man, they won every day, and uh, they did it and, and as I said, it was our failure to complete the deal and and their ability to capitalize on that and uh, wasn't any curse that went with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bryant to deep left center.
3: Oh, and a stop by Russell. Out at first. High deep drive for Russell. Way back. Gone.
1: What's it like uh, for former players like yourself today watching this team? Of course, the Cubs with one of the best records in baseball, one of the more dynamic young lineups. You think this might be the
3: year for the Cubs? Oh I do I do I know and now I'm an optimist first of all you know, <laughs> but uh absolutely I mean they're 80 and 45 that's 35 games over Oof. 500 that's pretty darn good it's fun for me to watch Addison Russell play shortstop he's doing a fantastic job there and uh no, I, I watch them when I can. Don't go up there much, but I, I do keep up. And again, I'm so tremendously excited for the fans of the Cubs because if any group deserves something good to happen, it's a Cub fans. It
1: seems like it's a party every day at Wrigley Field, and uh, it hadn't changed over time.
3: No, it's it really is fantastic. I thought when we were there, we had the best association with the fans of any place I'd ever been. We we genuinely love those fans, and they genuinely love the Cub players, and so it was uh, it, it was a great thing, and they still have an appreciation for that group of guys that played together then.
1: When we come back, Don's career takes him to the south side of Chicago for a little Saturday night fever. It's MPB season pass right here on MPB. Think ready. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
2: MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road.
1: Welcome back to MPB Season Pass with Jay White. Sam Wells, we're speaking with longtime Chicago Cubs shortstop and former two-time All-American in two different sports, Don Kessinger, who's on the line with us. Coach, you left the Cubs to go somewhere that a lot of people uh, would, you know, Cub fans especially, would grit their teeth a little bit. The St. Louis Cardinals, what was it like with that transition, going from playing for the Cubs to uh, playing for one of their bitterest rivals?
3: I grew up in Arkansas, and so growing up, about the only team we could listen to all the time was the Cardinals. So... Uh, you know, I was a Cardinal fan. When I went from the Cubs to the Cardinals, it wasn't something I dreaded as much as, you know, kind of looking forward not to getting away from the Cubs, but if I had to go to a place like that. and uh, But it just never really worked out quite that well. And uh, it was a good year and a half for me in St. Louis, and I'm certainly happy for having been able to do that. But uh, people in Chicago had just treated me wonderfully and, and uh, then I left there to go back to the White Sox on the other side of the town. You're talking about hated <laughs> rivalry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine going uh, to play uh, to uh, you know from Ole Miss to Mississippi State or something like that? Is kind of a yeah kind of a way yeah, to, right. to, to draw right. the comparison to that. Uh, but you were also one of the last player managers or the last one in AL history as you played and managed the Chicago White Sox. Describe to me that, writing yourself in the starting lineup, not putting yourself in the starting lineup. Were players uh, agitated that they weren't in the lineup if you were? I mean, what was that like balancing out that, uh, that that responsibility? Well, you
3: actually just hit on something that was probably the hardest thing for me, and that was deciding whether I should play or not play. But, you know, there's a, probably a good reason there haven't been many player managers. I was, I was blessed to be given the opportunity by Bill Vick to do that and I never thought I would want to do that but the challenge was just there you know and it's you've been in a game and a sport for so long and you get an opportunity like that it's just almost impossible to say no my coaches kept telling me you got to play more you got to play more and i kept thinking well you know i just if i was that other shortstop waiting to play i, I wouldn't like that very much and but you can't think that way you got to be able to put and, and that was a difficult task for me and I would readily admit that. And uh but I'm happy for the opportunity there were a lot of things that you have to think about that for example, you know, if I'm hitting and I want to hit and run, I think the situation's right for a hit and run, or for the guy on first base to steal. You know, I've got to give that third base coach some kind of sign so he can give it to that base runner. And there I'm, I'm standing in the middle of home plate with everybody in the world watching. So it, there are a lot of things you really have to work out. And one of the funnier things when I'm playing shortstop, you know, a manager can only go to the mound so many times and the guy's got to leave the game. Well, when I'd start to the mound, the umpire literally would many times stop me and say, Don, are you going up there as a shortstop or are you going up there as a manager? And, you know. And most times I would just say, Why don't you come on with me and you can make that decision? So <laughs> it, it it but there are a lot of things people don't think about when you think about a player manager, but it it was a tough deal, but you know, I'm blessed for having had the opportunity to do it. So- Between games of tonight's doubleheader,
0: a local disc jockey blew up disco records in center field, and a crowd responded by rushing the field. Mike Pumo is out there at uh, Comiskey Park, and we have him on the phone right now. Yes, what's the the current situation? They
2: just canceled the second game. The main attraction, the disco demolition, spearheaded by morning radio man Steve Dahl and his anti-disco army. Earlier, I asked Steve just what he has against disco well the first thing i have against it is that i can never find a white three-piece suit that fits me off the rack i hate the taste of pina coladas i don't i'm allergic to gold jewelry so there's nothing
1: there for me what was happening during all that stuff coach well I mean, here's what, what,
3: exactly no here's exactly what happened it was a promotion <laughs> bill veck was the owner of the white Sox, and he loved promotions and he did a great brilliant man i loved him to death and and uh but but he he believed it was his job to entertain the fans until the game started. Now once it started, he didn't want him. You know, he didn't want to do him He not interrupt the game in any way. But they had what was called disco demolition night, and frankly, it was too. Uh, it worked too good. There was a, a DJ. It was back in the day when rock and roll stations and and disco stations were butting heads, and disco was just coming in and. So there was a uh, a rock a rock station in Chicago, and they had a promotion that if you brought a disco record to the doubleheader with Detroit, that you could get in for a certain amount of money. It was a discount to get in, and. Uh, that night, we probably had 50,000 there and 25,000 of them were there to see a doubleheader and 25,000 of them were there for disco demolition <laughs> night. You. you know, they had started from very early on with a chant that's not too nice and that went the entire first game and it was getting louder and more and, uh, you know, the air smelled kind of funny <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, it was a tough night and then, between games uh this dj steve Dahl was coming out and gonna blow up all those disco records they brought put them in a pile and blow them up and uh when he came out i was hoping that he would just kind of calm them down a little bit and but he didn't he came out and incited them a little more nice. and they you know came over the rails and down on the field and I don't know, it must have been seven or eight thousand people on the field running around with torches and you know, <laughs> if anybody listening wants to see something really amazing, Google disco demolition and you'll find it.
1: What and were you guys it, doing, uh, this entire time? Oh, we
3: well I had all our players I made everybody go back into the locker room, which was down through the dugout of course, and we locked the door <laughs> and uh we were back there till they called me from up in the press box and said, the umpires want to see you and Bill Veck. And uh, so I said, okay. So I called him and said, where's Bill? They said, he's out in the middle of the field out there. So I I went out and he was standing, he was out in the middle of the infield with a mic saying, please return to your seats, please return. Well, nobody's paying attention, but anyway, I said, Bill, the umpires want to see us. So we went inside and the umpires told us we can't play this next game we're not going to make you forfeit, we just want to suspend it because we're just afraid of what will happen. And Bill said, no, 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 we'll have the field ready. We'll have it ready. And he did. It took about an hour and a half. <laughs> we They got the field ready, and umpires walked out and said, game's over, field's unplayable, which wasn't really true, to be honest, but I don't blame them under the circumstances. And Then the next day we got a telegram from the league office that said, we had to forfeit the game. So, uh, you know, that was an unfortunate deal, but it's, it's something that lives in infamy
1: up there. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. And then uh, your managing and player, uh, playing career ended a couple of uh, weeks later. Uh, as you turn the reins of the Chicago White Sox over to a pretty familiar name around, uh, as you said, in Arkansas, St. Louis Cardinals are big. They're big in Mississippi too. Tony La Russa took over uh, as manager of the White Sox. What was it like uh uh, you know, you well. You kind when, of helped Tony we, uh, start his career a little bit, I guess. Well,
3: that's what I've told him through the years. You know. <laughs> no, uh, it it was uh, when I took over as manager. Of course, I had to put together a coaching staff, and I had asked Tony to be one of my coaches on my staff, and he agreed to do that. And then, right, you know, before we went to spring training, he called me and he said, "Look, I have a chance to." manage the triple a club i certainly want to be a big league manager one day and we kind of talked through it and i said well tony i think you ought to go manage the triple a club so he did and uh then and i went in to see bill not long after that demo in august anyway and uh and i said bill look here's the deal i'm missing so much my kids are doing back in mississippi and Memphis, and wherever we were, and I said, look, I'm, uh, I'm not going to come back next year as a manager now. We'll handle this any way you want to. I'll finish the season, or I can, we weren't winning that much anyway. I said, I can go ahead and leave, and you can bring Tony in to get a feel for it, and, which is what we eventually did, is that I, I resigned, and they brought Tony in to finish the year. and and uh, But that's exactly how that happened.
1: You, follow, you came back to Mississippi, and then uh, before the 91 season, you were named head baseball coach of uh, your alma mater, the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, took over a program that moved from Old Swayze, which was in the parking lot by Vault Hemingway Stadium, into uh, what po- folks now know as OU Stadium, Swayze Field. Uh, and what was it like taking over t- uh, and coaching your alma mater?
3: Well, I've always loved Ole Miss. You know, obviously, Ole Miss baseball, and and I had great respect and admiration for Jake Gibbs, who I think had represented Ole Miss extremely well. And in fact, I sent two boys of my own to play for Jake, and I had two of my kids play for Jake. And Kevin, my younger one, was still there when Jake resigned, and uh, they did offer me that opportunity to come in and coach after Jake resigned, and and. Uh, it, and I was glad, happy to do that. I had always kind of looked forward to maybe that opportunity if it ever if it ever presented itself, and so I did. And and uh, I was blessed to be able to coach Kevin, my son, for two years, his junior and senior years, and and uh, and that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because Kevin wasn't his CC player. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the boys are pretty good. It, well, it would have it would have made it very difficult if. You know he had just been a okay player or not very good because that's hard for a coach to coach his own son anyway, and it's really difficult if he's not an awfully good player so uh Kevin made it easy for me and but we had some we we had some success recruiting we brought some good people in we lost i think thirty something players to the pro draft in my six years here uh Many of them signees that would have been here to help us, you know. And yeah. But uh, we kind of got it turned around a little bit in 1995. We won 40 games and had a, you know, most games at that time Ole Miss had ever won, and had some great players and.
1: Expand a little bit on, uh, on on that team. Of course, David Delucci, who does some color commentary for Ole Miss on the SEC Network now, was uh, played years in the major league uh, in Major League Baseball for the Diamondbacks and New York Yankees, respectively. Of course, Mickey Callaway, who's now a coach, I believe, for the Cleveland Indians, was That's your correct. Saturday starter yeah. because you had a farmer from uh, Arkansas named uh, Jamie Price who was your Friday night guy. Talk a little bit about yeah, the '95 year. I,
3: a lot of people don't realize that we had some guys that were awfully good players, and that year kind of got us over the hump. Jamie Price was an All-American pitcher that, had he not hurt his arm, would have certainly been pitching in the big leagues and uh, was a great guy to coach. And, and you mentioned David DeLucci. David was an All-American. And, and I tell you, it's so easy for a coach when your best player is also your hardest worker. And certainly that's what I would say about David. He, he was a, a great teammate to people, worked his tail off, and was a great player and played numerous years in the big leagues and did really well. And as I said, we were one game away from Omaha. We went to the regional in Tallahassee and got beat by Florida state uh, in the finals. At that time, there was no super regional. You had to win your regional and you went to Omaha. So there were like eight teams or six or eight teams in the regional, whatever it was. It was hard. And, uh, (laughs) and especially at Florida state, but we, we, we did good. And it, it, It was a highlight of my coaching career.
1: Boy, you, you really took over when college baseball was really starting. The flames were beginning to be fanned, and, boy, it's an outright inferno now with just incredible stadiums across the Southeastern Conference, across the country now. Little old OU Stadium that held about three or 4,000 people holds about 10 or 12 now, uh, 15 if you get people standing up in the outfield. Uh, just talk about your experience watching college baseball now. What a crazy, what a different game it kind of turned, it kind of morphed into over the last 15 or 20 years.
3: I love college baseball. I think there's excitement. I think they play extremely well. And, uh, you know, guys to the athletes today are just bigger, faster, and stronger. And they can do so many things. And Mike has come in and done a great job at Ole Miss. And, and uh, he's got those guys believing. He's got the fans believing. And, and they just coming out in droves. And uh, it just thrills me to death to watch it.
1: Don Kessinger, a two-sport All-American at Ole Miss with baseball and basketball and, of course, a six-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner for the Chicago Cubs. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you, Coach, I hope you are right about the Cubs. I'm a big Cubs fan myself. I've been pulling for them since my sister sang the national anthem with our church choir at Wrigley Field in 1991. So I hope that they can get over the hump this year for both of us <laughs> so we can Well, me too. God bless
3: you for being a Cub fan. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's,
1: uh, it's been rough.
3: But, uh, but yeah, I know. These last it years. I know, years but it, fun. It, you know, it's fun this year. So. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Coach, for joining us uh, on MPB Season Pass.
3: We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Sam. My pleasure. Anytime. Hey, hey, holy mackerel. No doubt about it. The Cubs are on there.
1: Jay and I will be back to tell you what's coming up next week on MPB Season Pass. College football's kicking off. We'll have something special for it. We'll be right back.
3: This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio with Jay White. I'm Sam Wells. Jay, I feel like uh, we should rename this show 1990s Sam's Life.
2: Uh-huh. We're
1: having uh, Don Kessinger on, who was a coach of the Rebels from uh, 91 to 95 or 96, and uh, Coach Brian Ware from Mako's. I do want to say this. if uh, There are... Parents that are listed out there that want their kids to get involved in swimming, be it in the Jackson area or across the state, as he said when he was here, 13 club teams, lots of high schools uh, with opportunities to, uh, to swim, uh, do, do that. It's an awesome experience, I can tell you firsthand. I had an awesome experience with he and his brother uh, at Clinton uh, where I was growing up. But uh, it's a great sport to get into. Uh, it's really it's good for you. Like I said, you, know, you know, it's really t- difficult if you're going to hurt yourself. Doing it swimming is not going to really – it's going to be a – you're going to have to hit your arm on the wall or bang your head against the wall or something like that. So uh, it's difficult to, to really injure yourself bad. But, boy, it's fun, and uh, it's great exercise, and you can do it your whole life. That's so a good thing to get into.
2: Absolutely, very cool. Hey, uh, great conversation you had with uh, uh, Don Kessinger. Yeah, Donnie Kessinger there.
1: He is one of the nicest guys.
2: Yeah, ever. The, this, the story, this- man. The story about the disco demolition game. <laughs> uh, pretty remarkable. I, Harry Carey was a broadcaster for the White Sox at that time, and he actually, in the middle of all of that uh, uh, ruckus, I guess you could call it actually took the PA mic and and urged the crowd to settle down, which, you yeah. know, maybe if it was about 10 years later, they probably would have listened to him, but uh, yeah. at that point, he was uh, not the uh, beloved Cubs broadcaster yet. He was the guy on the south side of town, yeah. and uh, they didn't listen to him. They went and blew up some more records and caused a big bonfire in center field, and uh, three bases were stolen yeah
1: um, i, I don 't know if I really n- believe uh, and not that I doubt Don here, but uh, there was like a fire in center field, and he said the field was a good jo- good shape, which would have been a, a, an incredible job by their uh, by their field for their field crew if they got a fire yeah. <laughs> I burned a hole in the center field fixed
2: well i mean they 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 blew up some records and uh, according to the reports, it tore a hole basically in center field uh, in the turf um, uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, the the late actor yeah. that, uh, talked about how he was part of that had a belt buckle stolen slid into third base and stole a bat from the dugout <laughs> so uh, pretty oh interesting <laughs> it's a pretty interesting story because uh, yeah uh, as Coach Kessinger said uh and the last AL player manager, he uh, stuffed them all up in the in the clubhouse and barricaded the door at the old Comiskey Park. There. Man,
1: crazy stuff, man. I couldn't imagine that ever happening uh, today. Uh, player managers are, would be crazy uh, today. But um, as I said at the beginning of that, he's he's a lot of things to a lot of different people. He's a grandfather to a, a, a recruit now who will be starting his career at Ole Miss uh, in the fall here uh, uh, coming up. And then, of course, he uh, was the father of a couple of players for a while. Yeah. Uh, Keith and Kevin Kessinger played for uh, in the major leagues i uh, believe kevin hit a home run as a chicago cub against the cincinnati reds uh, or for the cincinnati reds against the cubs so uh, it was pretty full circle i guess and then of course he was the the shortstop for that legendary team in 1969 he was actually on deck when the black cat ran around oh, he man. and ron santo at uh, at shay stadium back the, back in the day so Cause their collapse. Oh man, sixty
2: nine so, Eastern Division. There you go. Somewhere,
1: Kevin Farrell is very is laughing, is laughing <laughs> about this. <laughs> uh, but I want to thank Don Kessinger for joining us. Just a Mississippi legend that, uh, as I told him, uh, I, I don't think he gets enough credit uh, for all the things that he's done uh, uh, here and in the city of Chicago and around Major League Baseball. Also, want to thank Brian Ware for coming on. As I said, if you want to swim, man, there's thirteen clubs, a lot of schools that do it. Get involved in the swimming; it's good for you and it's real fun. Jay, we got a special show next week. College football's back. That's right. Ole Miss and Florida State, (laughs) Mississippi State, Jacksonville State, Southern Miss and Kentucky, uh, numerous other other things. We'll have uh, many, many interviews and many things to discuss next week. Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Southern Remedy is next. It's MPB Think Radio.